Dr. Trudy Fleer here with the 5G Home Recovery Podcast. Today's episode is inspired by those T-Mobile home internet speeds that are much slower than Xfinity's lickety split speeds. Speeds that slow to a crawl can leave us feeling like we have to move faster to compensate. Eh, wrong. We don't have to move faster. The internet does. Now you can move however you want. You want to move like a sloth? Do it. Be a sloth. A sloth with blazing fast Xfinity internet that you should have gotten in the first place. I hate to say I told you so, but you know. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash facts. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Sofia Karpowski, the co-founder of Roland and Bolin. Roland and Bolin started with Acai Wool Cafes on college campuses after Sophia and her co-founder Austin Patry saw a lack of healthy food options at TCU, Texas Christian University. Today, Roland and Bolin Cafes are in college campuses across the U.S. offering healthy smoothies, acai bowls, and more. When COVID hit in March 2020 and Roland and Bolin had to temporarily close their stores, Sophia and Austin acted quick and packaged their smoothie and acai bowl recipes into pouches that consumers can now enjoy from home. Today, Roland and Bolin is not only a healthy foods cafe for college students, but their nine varieties of packaged smoothies and acai bowls can be found on their website, on Amazon, and in grocery stores nationwide. In this episode, I chat with Sophia about the lessons she's learned while growing two businesses, how she and Austin are supporting young entrepreneurs across the country, and much more. Let's get into the show. Sophia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk about your journey to creating Roland and Bolin and everything that you have in the works now. But before we get started, can you introduce yourself and tell me how you met your co-founder, Austin? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sophia Karbowski and I am one of the co-founders of Roland and Bolin. And Austin and I met, um, well, we met at some point in college, but we really became friends our senior year when we were in entrepreneurship classes together, when we like really started doing our major specific classes. Um, we were in a lot of those classes together. So that's where we, I guess, became friends and like learned that we both had a lot of similar interests. What were you guys studying at TCU? Like what was the major? So we were in the business school and our major was entrepreneurial management. What brought you and Austin together to talk specifically about the idea for Roland and Bolin? We had both individually kind of taken it upon ourselves the past few years, like in, high, in college, maybe high school to eat healthy ourselves. We just had that in common. And so we were talking a lot about that and kind of getting excited about it. And then we were just hearing a lot of our peers and friends complain about like they couldn't go grab something healthy that tasted good that would fill them up down the street. There was just a lack of options like that that were close to campus. And so that's kind of like where it all started. <laughs> so how did you go from that idea to actually save up money and like put a business plan together? I don't know if that's something you did, but what were like the first steps to actually take your idea and turn it into a reality? So basically, like we kind of brainstormed over winter break. First off, we were like, I'm just thinking food wise, like where, where is there a void in Fort Worth? Not only on campus, but like in Fort Worth in general, because that's where we went to school. At TC, there's a lot of students from California and we had been to California like on separate trips in the past few years. And we had these acai bowls and they were amazing. And there's so many students from California at TCU in Fort Worth, missing them and craving them. Fort Worth had nothing like that. And so we actually decided to start with acai bowls and 
smoothies. And we like kind of started looking into getting a place like a lease. Like after we graduated, getting a storefront down the street from TCU, we came back together second semester of senior year after break. And we kind of just started talking to like anyone and everyone people who worked for the dining company on campus, like we met with them and to get just to tell them our thoughts and see what they thought. One of them gave us an idea to maybe start small and do like a proof of concept food truck. We decided to take that route and like start a food truck and maybe like find a spot where we could park it almost like a restaurant near campus after we graduated, which we did. We found a spot, someone reached out to us and yeah, it was kind of just through like talking to a bunch of people and getting ideas and getting people's feedback. Uh, we were really talking to everyone. I know sometimes entrepreneurs, I feel like, take the path of like, don't tell anyone anything because they're going to steal it. But like, at that point, all everyone we were talking to, like, either had their own restaurants or were peers and students and whatnot. So that was really one of the best things that we did. We kind of just took it day by day and we didn't have like that much savings, but we just like took it day by day and put together kind of what we had and just over the course of like from I guess January until July, we, we just bought what we needed and slowly and um, somehow it came together and we opened in July after we graduated. And so did you raise any money from friends and families to get that first food truck open? Our senior year, we did do a crowdfunding on like Indiegogo um, that raised like, I think it raised like maybe around like $8,000 or something. So it wasn't like anything crazy um, by any means, but it seemed like a lot at the time. So that was, that was definitely helpful. Austin had money in Bitcoin and he took that (laughs) out to pay for some of the food. So we actually, it was actually a food trailer. And then we also bought a pickup truck, um, to pull it around in. So yeah, we kind of just put together what we had slowly and it, and it worked out. We just like got good deals on things and we made sure we were just like very scrappy and we still kind of are in a different sense, but feel like a lot of times what sets people back from starting their own business is just seeing like like looking up like how much does it cost to start this type of business and if we saw that total number we would have been like okay wait we don't have that money we maybe I don't know like but I don't think we ever even did that and we just took it day by day and it came together so I think like not getting intimidated by like a final cost number you see from somewhere because there's always options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, and I do this myself, like get stuck in the bigger picture, what you were trying to accomplish long term. But it's really by focusing on the daily tasks that you can do to get there that is ultimately like the most important thing. If we had thought about like super long term, I don't know. I feel like we just would have been set back by like just thinking like really big and and everything. But we kind of just. We were like, we're going to do this proof of concept food truck and we're going to see if students like it and we'll go from there. And we'll, we'll, our goal was to do it for no longer than a year and then maybe open a space like down the street from campus. But it wasn't like we had this like five-year goal that we were like trying to meet every day. You know, we were Mm -hmm. kind of just taking it day by day to start up the food truck. So what was the response from the food truck? What were students saying? What was the feedback from your customers? They loved it. It was great. Like people had their routine, like coming to roll in a bowl and food truck, like became a part of their routine, which was really fun. So like certain days, like we knew certain people would be coming and we had benches and stuff set out. We, we would just open like a restaurant almost, but it was just a food truck every day. And so they knew what to expect. Everyone had their favorites. It was, it was great. People in Fort Worth loved it too, but I would say like at least half of our customer base were, were those TCU students. So what really happened was like TCU would have, I mean, just like, I feel like any school, like if they're having events, sometimes they'll bring food trucks on campus and we'd post on Instagram that we were coming. So students knew. So the students would be lined up 
blocks like we have photos where they're lined up like two blocks down and we wouldn't we hadn't even pulled up yet and the other food trucks were there but they just wanted our food so like they loved it people saw that like the university saw that and things like that so that's kind of how we started growing from there how we caught their attention I guess that's awesome I feel like a university is a good place to try out a business because you always have customers like there's always unless it's during COVID of course and we'll get to that later but um, there's always students on campus and always hungry, always wanting to try something new. So that's pretty cool. What was the process like of going from that food truck to opening your first brick and mortar cafe? And how did you prepare for that transition so that your business was like still running smoothly and everything was going the way you wanted it without you being physically present? We basically like we're talking with the university and and they it was actually their idea for us to open on campus and like take over the space inside the rec center on campus so it was in the works kind of right over summer and whatnot this is about a year after we opened the food truck and we just weren't used to how it works yet and like at the rate they were going we were like okay we'll open maybe like October November whatever at this rate but then like two weeks before school started and they're like no no you guys like have to open on the first day of school and we were like, what, two weeks? And we've never even opened a restaurant before. Like, it was already crazy that they gave us that chance, to be honest. So we literally opened our first restaurant, our first cafe on campus in two weeks. And then we also had a catering event on the first day of school from the food truck for a thousand acai bowls. So it was crazy. So Austin and one of our other, one of our like supervisors did the catering event. And then me and one of our other girls who had people who had been working in our truck with us for a long time, like our managers, basically we opened the store together. And so we definitely like divided and conquered. We sold the food truck a few months later after that, but we just got things together really quickly. And I could say we didn't know what we were doing, but we figured it out and it was totally successful. And that store has gotten busier. Like, I feel like every month it just gets busier and busier. What a cool experience to have like right out of college to kind of be thrown into a business and just figure it out as you go. I feel like that's the best way to learn. It was insane. It was crazy. Like, I mean, working in that food truck was like everything that we do is a lot of work. That was like <laughs> almost like grueling to, for lack of a better word, because you're just in a steel box in the Texas heat. So like, it was a lot of fun and it was a great way to start, like it was such a good way to start because like if we had started and just like maybe even raised money and got a lease like down the street, then we would have been stuck in like a what five plus or minus year lease. And we probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to open on campus because we already had a store like down the street. And then we probably wouldn't have like started growing through campuses, which is a great model. We love that model. So yeah, the food truck was a great way to start, mm -hmm. like a low cost, like proof of concept way to start. It seems like you and Austin really dove headfirst into launching your business after college, but was there any part of you that was hesitant to do so? we didn't like spend this insane amount of money on things. Like I think like total from maybe like when we started planning to when we opened, maybe we spent like 30 K, which is like really not a lot to start maybe like total. That's like what we had kind of pulled together. So we didn't, we weren't like spending a ton of money and we still graduated. So it wasn't like we dropped out. So that was the biggest thing because like literally like if maybe the food truck didn't work, we could just sell the food truck and, and get jobs. And if anything, like what we did, well, even what we had learned, like, starting it up and planning for things while we were still seniors was insane. So like we already had so much more experience, I feel like, and knowledge, I don't know, just like real world knowledge, I feel like. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, we just literally weren't scared at all because we were 
I mean, for me, I was just like, if this doesn't work, we're doing, we're starting up this test, basically a test run. If it doesn't work, then we just get a job and move on. At first it was weird. And it was weird to tell people like, I just went through four years of college and I'm opening a food truck. Most people were like really loving it. What pushed us was the amazing feedback from like peers. Mostly it was weird to like tell people that you're starting a food truck, but then again, like we had our degree, so it just wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> how many Roland and Bowling cafes or how many college campuses have your cafes now? We have seven cafes on six campuses and opening a few more this summer, most likely. That's exciting. And is it like a franchise model? No, right now we run all of them ourselves, like okay. in-house. Like there are, it's our team members who work for all of and running everything. There's options for universities where they can do like a licensing agreement that basically like from the outside looks like a franchise. So for example, I can say this now because our contract just got signed with them, but we're opening at Notre Dame this summer and they're going to operate it. So like that will be a licensing agreement. So their dining team will operate it and we will help with like, startup training and then like marketing we'll have like our we'll still run like our brand ambassador program internally on their campus and things like that that's awesome can you tell me a little bit about that brand ambassador program so it's called bowen besties and there are brand like it's a brand ambassador program each campus we will bring on like up to eight we might increase it soon but right now we'll bring up to eight students per campus so they have requirements every week to post on instagram or tiktok a certain amount of like stories and posts, and then they'll do in-person events too, one per semester. And we actually pay them too. So we'll pay them bi-weekly to post. It's great because it's kind of like a combo of like, if these students are looking for marketing experience or like health, like experience in health and wellness or things like that, it's great. For example, TCU is our first store and it's been open for four years now. So like those brand ambassadors aren't necessarily, they're not necessarily like, posting about like come check out Roland and Bowling because everyone already knows but they'll be posting more about like getting students involved in our culture um and things like that and just getting students really involved in the business rather than just like eating there and leaving whereas like maybe for Notre Dame like the beginning like the brand ambassadors will be like really promoting just like awareness of the store being on campus so it's really great and they take great photos and we gather all those photos and our marketing manager like puts those on our Instagram and stuff so it's really amazing it's been so amazing to have like all these feet on the ground while our marketing manager is in New York and she can get all these great photos and see what's kind of going on behind the scenes so it's like you have an extra layer built into your marketing team with all these students who actually are on campus um, and can like engage Mm -hmm. with the community so that's a really smart idea in addition to rolling in bowling cafes which was your initial business idea with Austin You have another business that came to be as a result of the pandemic. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So we have two businesses now. So when we, when COVID hit, we had to temporarily close our, our cafes and we've always kind of had in the back of our minds, like to package our products in some way to get into grocery stores. We were like, and it's always been in the back of our mind. We never had time at all to act on it. Um, But this was the time. So we decided to package I mean we didn't even know it's it's the CPG industry which is consumer packaged goods we didn't even know what that meant at the time probably we actually packaged all of our like smoothie acai bowl recipes into single serve like pouches that would be frozen and we started it up in literally like idea to 
packaging to shipping out direct to consumer from our website in a with a subscription model like within six weeks so we literally like did it all virtually and then shipped out from Chicago and from Texas and had like a whole subscription platform built on our website and everything and basically it's a frozen product that you just add liquid to the pouch and blend it and so like our, our smoothies from our store friends at home so we called it R&B at home from there we actually like kept growing that business our, our stores have reopened and we've opened more since so that's still growing and then we actually launched our CPG product into like retail into grocery stores nationally in January of 21 so it's been like a little over a year so then we just kind of realized we fully had two separate businesses going on um and now it's crazy. <laughs> now there's a lot happening. That's actually how I found your companies um, at Central Market. Here in Austin, I found the acai pouches. And the awesome. my favorite flavors are the Super Monkey and the Let That Mango. I love the names. Too oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the names are funny. We like it. It's funny when we students say the Let, let That Mango out, mm -hmm. out loud because sometimes they don't want to say it. It's very clever. Um, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, Central Market's been a great account for us. We love Central Market. More recently, we actually launched a snack product. It's kind of different, but still healthy and all natural ingredients and things like that. And it's a snack product of nut butter filled dates. Um, and we're launched, we've launched in grocery stores and whatnot, and we're in Sprouts and we're launching in Central Market soon too. So we're excited for that. We'll have both product lines. Since you launched your CPG in just six weeks, can you share any business decisions that you feel helped you have a successful entry into the consumer packaged goods and retail space? We did launch in six weeks. I mean, during COVID, we had literally nothing else to do. So <laughs> perfect that timing. Was time. That was really perfect timing. Like we had two full-time managers at the time. We kept them on and we kind of just zoomed every day and, and we split up the tasks we basically split up the startup tasks and then one of them was in texas with austin and one of them was in chicago with me so we kind of when it came to time to produce and ship out we had like two separate commissary kitchens that we worked out of and we just really divided and conquered and it was the best time to do it because there wasn't anything else going on and unknowingly like kind of launched into cpg and when you take it at the next step with getting into retail like past your website and whatnot and past direct to consumer that's a whole another world so like We've like doubled what we've learned for the cafes and food service was crazy. But now I feel like we've doubled our knowledge, just being behind the scenes and getting a product into grocery stores and how that works. And it is so intricate. And like, it's just things you would never know if you don't know. It's really fun. Like the CPG world and grocery and things like that really excites us. So we're excited to be in the space. It's just like, it's a little different than our cafes business, that our food service business, at least for us, like for our cafes, it's not super heavy startup cost because we're opening on these stores that are already in place on campuses. But with CPG, like to be successful, it is a lot of heavy startup cost for sure. And we're just not used to that. So that's something that we're navigating right now. And what were some of the things that you were surprised to, to learn about the retail space? And how did you like overcome any challenges that you and Austin were facing? Just learning how discounts work and like I mean, everyone sees products in the grocery store and now that they would love to try, but it's so expensive. But now we're learning like why, especially like things we want to buy that are, it's all like natural and good ingredients. Like if a brand is like really sticking to what they want to put out and like, maybe it's something with higher quality ingredients or it's organic or something. Sometimes people are like, why would they be charged? Like people think maybe they're charging them just to charge them so much, but it's like so much of that is going to 
first of all, like they don't want to skimp on their ingredients, which is great. Like we don't want to skimp on our ingredients, but a lot of that final cost, like it's not a lot is going to the brand. Like a lot is going to the distributor and a lot is going to the store, which I mean, it makes sense. They have to make money too, but like stores are taking like up to 40% of that margin. And at the end of the day, the grocery store chooses what to price it at. So oftentimes like the brand can give you an MSRP, which is a suggested retail price, but the brand, the grocery store can price it at whatever they want it to. So like they could price it at 25% more than you wanted them to price it at, but then it looks kind of weird and bad on the brand because you think they chose that, but they, they didn't. So yeah, there's just so many parts to it rather than the brand like literally just dropped. I mean, in some small cases, like the brand does just literally drop off their product at the store, but a lot of times like to grow nationally and things like that, that's just not possible. The good thing is that you have multi-channel distribution, right? Like your customers can find you on Amazon and your website. Yeah. We actually charge like a little more on Amazon, I think, just to offset it. So it's not really a huge deal. They don't take, it's not as big of a, pro, it's not like as many people taking chunks of it as it is like in retail, but with Amazon and D2C, then you have to spend money on shipping and whatnot, and we charge free shipping. So there's different costs associated with each. You need volume to make money, but then you need money to get to volume because if you have to produce everything first, like you need money for that, you know? So it's just like, that's where like the heavy startup costs come from. But if you do invest and then you do successfully like get to higher volumes, then that's when you'll make money. Both paths can be profitable, but like if you can get to high volume in retail, to us, it seems like it can be more profitable just because you're sending out way more at once. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When we first spoke, you shared with me that you are rebranding your CPG business. Mm -hmm. So everything that's direct to consumer. Can you tell me more about that and what people can expect? Yeah. So we, we're actually like, we just went through this accelerator program called SKU. It's actually out of Austin. And we learned so much in CPG because we've really only been in CPG since COVID. So we learned so much and we one main thing we learned, and that is very obvious from the outside probably is that we are doing too many things at once and we cannot focus on anything. And we feel like, and we feel it too. Like we feel like we can't focus on one thing and do it well right now. So we're actually selling off our smoothie line. So we're, we kind of just thought about our CPG line and our, all of our products in total. And we were like, our mentors were like, are you guys a frozen brand? Or are you a shelf stable snacking brand? Like you guys, I feel like you guys have to choose one and do it well before like going into all these channels. Think about how long Siete did tortillas before they started getting into other items, you know, like a, like a pretty good amount of time. We just moved too, a little too fast. We decided that we, all of our future innovations are within making like shelf stable snacks good for you not just better for you, but we really want you to be able to grab something on the shelf that's maybe not a piece of produce that tastes great and is good for you, not just better for you. So anyways, we decided to part with our smoothie lines because right now it's like they basically are two businesses. We have two different co-packers, two different supply chains. Like everything is different by different buyers in every store, like for snacks and then for frozen, they're different. So we're selling the smoothie line. We're part, like parting that off and we're actually rebranding our CPG brand. It won't be called Rollin' and Bowlin' anymore. It's going to have our, our nut butter filled dates and then we're going to really focus on those and maybe expand that line and then go into like more of our future innovations and snacking. Wow. So it's almost like you had three businesses actually, not two. 
Yes, that's what we've realized in the past few months, which makes sense because we are feeling really in over our heads and we realize it's because we were mm-hmm. and <laughs> we were slash are and but it's exciting because we got a lot of clarity and a lot of advice to focus, which is actually really exciting to me. And I'm excited for when we're able to focus because like what we'll be able to do with both brands when we're able to focus and, and for the cafes, like we're most likely bringing in a partner who's going to help with like operations and things like that, that will still be growing and whatnot, but we'll have some help on that end and like not be as involved in the day, in the day to day and really be able to focus on like the CPG snacking brand. What will the name of your rebranded snack company be? The brand name is going to be Realsy, R-E-A-L-S-Y. And so our, like our Instagram handle, which is not even created yet, but um, we'll be Eat Realsy. And the brand name in overall will be Realsy Foods because we wanted to make it fun and playful like we always have been. And then also make it very obvious that everything in that package that you're picking up is real food. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I know that one of your company values is to help incubate young entrepreneurs. Can you tell me about the mentorship and grant program that you and Austin created and how it's helping college students across the country? Yeah, absolutely. So a year ago, we started a program called Bowls and Goals, and we've had so many students come to us, whether it was like an entrepreneurship class that they were doing a project for or whether they just had ideas and wanted to hash it out with someone that they knew had gone through these things. And we thought maybe we should just make it official and attainable for students to get this knowledge and like for us to help them. It's a student mentorship and accelerator program. Applications will like come out over the summer and we'll choose three or four of those brands and help them throughout the year just move forward and, and keep making those next steps. I feel like it's it's almost like an accountability thing too. Just having someone to hold you accountable almost and like setting up meetings where you have to like report, did you get this done? And like you said, this is what you're going to do next. Like, how did it go? Like, blah, blah, blah. We had someone in our, this past cohort, the first cohort actually that was starting to swimsuit brand. A lot of our CPG knowledge did apply, but obviously Austin and I don't have fashion experience. So like finding those super specific mentors for her and partnering her with them just so she could ask them her more specific questions. And then we give them a little bit of grant money too, to kind of help them accelerate. It's like easy to say like, okay, go do this, this, and this, but you need money to do it sometimes. So it helps when you can say like, okay, we're giving you this, where do you think you can spend it most wisely, like to get you to the next step? Wow. That's so incredible. What would (laughs) Sophia, who is graduating college think about like, not only do I have three businesses, but I'm helping other young entrepreneurs start their own. There hasn't been a lot of thinking back lately. When you think of entrepreneurs and startups and stuff, you just think of this hectic, like no sleep lifestyle. And we've never really had that, to be honest. Yeah, there's been like crazy times, like maybe when we're opening a store or something, but it always comes back down. And we know that if we're going crazy and like not healthy, that there's no way we can move forward. So we've always had like a pretty good work-life balance, I should say. But this year is the first year where we feel like we're losing it and just been doing too much at once. So that being said, like it is hard to look back and feel good about everything, but we have come really far and it's really awesome too, especially with the Bulls and Goals program. Like they're excited about our growth and stuff too. And they're, they're pumping us up as well. Right now we're just at a point where we're kind of like taking a step back to set ourselves up for even like further sustainable growth. Yeah, no, I can't wait to see what else you guys do. Obviously so much going on right now, but I'm curious, is there any future goals you have for the company that you can share? Our goal is to become like the number one health food option for colleges and for students on campuses. So that would be great. We're open to any opportunity that kind of 
accelerates that growth and getting to students sooner. With the CPG brand, it's still young. We're still growing that, but again, the same thing, like reaching more consumers is the goal and having good for you, like healthy snack options as accessible as possible. Like if you could have healthy, like nutritious, good tasting snacks at 7-Eleven at Bucky's, that would be amazing. And that's what we want to see so that you don't have to opt in for those unhealthy options that aren't sustainable for you to be eating all the time. Same kind of thing. Like if someone comes in, who's able to grow that even bigger, like we're open to that opportunity, but we definitely are focusing on like growing both more ourselves at the moment. That's so important, especially during college, because it's a time when so many people are stressed or like overwhelmed and just not taking care of themselves. Like I know I didn't eat super healthy when I was in college. Right, because it's it's hard to, yeah. Yeah, it's whatever's quick and what's easy. So the fact that you're making it convenient is so impactful for them. Do you approach certain campuses that you think your um, business would be a fit for or are they approaching you? What is that like? feel like our growth so far has kind of been from like someone on that dining team on that campus knows someone who works at Tulane's dining team or Denver's dining team or something so it's kind of like a lot of word of mouth and connections and LinkedIn trolling for lack of a better word or it's just kind of like right place right time like we'll pitch universities over email first and honestly like we get a lot of responses some are like we don't have space right now, but like reach out in a year. And some are like right away and they want you to open in like four months or something because they're just looking to turn over a concept they already have. And then more recently, like we have started getting schools reach out to us because they've just, they've seen us on LinkedIn or they've heard of us. We haven't really spent much money on sales at all. It's kind of been like feet on the ground, being aggressive, but we're excited as we expand to kind of create a sales program. That's exciting. I know I wish I would have had this type of food option when I was at A&M. Me me too. I wish I had it too, honestly. (laughs) Well, Sophia, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide um, a final piece of advice for the audience. So what would you say to someone who's been thinking of an idea for a business, but hasn't taken that step yet? I might be repeating myself, but just starting, like doing something past writing the business plan, like doing something tangible, like going out and actually like doing something and creating something and talking to people about it. Like you've been thinking about this idea for months, maybe, maybe even years. The person who you want to get advice from or just feedback from is not going to steal it and start it tomorrow. Like you're already way ahead of them. So in my opinion, like not being scared to talk about it, not being embarrassed to talk about it. Because like, if you don't talk to anyone and then you try to launch it or start it, how are you going to know if if it's something that the world wants, you know? So I think just talking to people and then just taking those first steps on really like starting and doing something tangible rather than just research and writing a business plan. Thank you so much to Sophia for joining me on the podcast. To keep up with Roland and Bolin's University Cafe growth, you can follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Roland and Bolin Cafes. And for their snack products, they're on Instagram and TikTok at Roland and Bolin, and those will soon transition to at Realzy. You can find their products at RolandandBolin.com on Amazon and in stores like Central Market and Sprouts across the country. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 